I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and in this video class, we're going to cover the book of Jude. I believe we can do this, especially in view of the fact that we have just completed a study of 2 Peter, and there are parallels between 2 Peter, especially in chapter 2 and 3, and the book of Jude. So let me begin now by reading from the book of Jude, the entire book that is in one chapter. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may peace, mercy, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they have walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their shame, wandering stars, 
for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they've committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. That's the book of Jude. We're going to take a few moments and go through the book of Jude. Jude says he was eager to write about salvation held in common by Christians, but then he wanted to urge them to contend earnestly for the faith. It's important to note this, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Let's go back and begin now at verse 1, and I'll take you through the book of Jude in this video. Jude addresses his readers to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. And to those Christians, he said, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. This is a typical form of addressing recipients in New Testament epistles, called by the gospel, having accepted that call through their obedience, as they continued that obedience, they were kept for Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith. Pause there. To write about salvation in general was Jude's original purpose, but he found it necessary to appeal to his readers to contend for the faith. There's a sense of urgency here. 
And this is not about being contentious in a general sense of agitation. No, this is specific. Contend for the faith. One translation says, earnestly contend for the faith. The faith is that body of truth that we have in the New Testament that we as Christians stand for, that we speak of, that we live by, and we respond to any assaults against this body of truth that came through the apostles. We are in a battle with truth on one side, error on the other side. Peter says this is to be the urgent challenge. Contend for the faith. Once for all delivered to the saints. Notice two things. The faith. That's singular. Once for all delivered to the saints. The New Testament is the singular body of truth God gave through the apostles of Christ once for all. And that conveys the idea of permanence, not subject to subsequent revision. Don't expect something else to fall out of the sky to replace this. And there is never any justification for men to presume that they can revise or edit or take from or add to. This is the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Now, uh, why do you think Jude was so urgent about this? Verse 4, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. I want us to think about someone perverting the grace of God, trying to turn the grace of God into something that's not affirmed about the grace of God in Scripture. You know, that should just immediately sound alarming. God's grace is his love and favor toward us. Remember what it, what it was said in Second Peter. God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. To take that truth and twist it and present it as some sort of justification to continue in sin is obviously ungodly, and such sensuality has been designated for condemnation. Jude says that these men even denied our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Ungodly men. What do you do about that? earnestly contend for the faith. At this point, Jude does something that Peter also did, a reminder based on divinely recorded historical precedent. Divinely recorded historical precedent. Verses 5 to 7. But I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness 
until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. I tell you what the idea here is. You know what God has done before. Remember what you once fully knew and be certain about that history and what it ought to mean to you now. God destroyed those who turned his grace into lasciviousness. God destroyed those who did not believe. Angels who didn't stay in their position of authority were kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Sodom and Gomorrah, many people today are not familiar with that divinely recorded historical precedent. Those who indulge in that form of sexual immorality and gender confusion pursued unnatural desire became an example for all generations about how God views such conduct. From verse 5 through verse 7, one primary point, you should know, you should know how God responds to those who pervert his grace into lasciviousness. Look with me now at verses 8 through 13. 8 through 13 in the book of Jude. Jude now talks about people who lived in the time of his readers. He was talking about divinely recorded historical precedent. Now he talks about people who lived in the time of his readers. He refers to them as these people. In like manner would mean like those referred to in the history just mentioned. You got the same kind of people today, so you've got to earnestly contend for the faith. There are people today, like those in previous ages, who turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Notice the key words in this passage. Blasphemy. Blaspheming what they do not understand. Unreasoning animals acting upon instinct. Jude pronounces a woe. Woe to them. He brings up the way of Cain, the error of Balaam, and Korah's rebellion. <coughs> Old Testament accounts, God has gone on record, divinely recorded historical precedent, God has gone on record about what he thinks and what he does about this kind of brethren. So, in verses 12 and 13, Jude says, when you come together in some atmosphere or gathering of love, you need to understand these people, some of them might be there. They might slip in unnoticed. They feast with you in fear. They feed themselves clouds without water, swept along, tossed to and fro, fruitless trees. These images are designed to put those Christians and us on alert about men who pervert the grace of God, contend earnestly for the faith, because about such men, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Look with me now, verses 14 through 16. Look at that on the page in front of you. I'm not aware of a passage exactly like this where the word ungodly 
is repeated so many times for emphasis. Judgment against the ungodly for their deeds of ungodliness, deeds they committed in their ungodly ways, ungodly sinners. Enoch spoke about these kind of people. Verse 16, grumbling is never commended in Scripture. Grumbling doesn't mean that you have expressed an opinion in a good sort of way, all other things being equal. Grumbling is to repeatedly get bogged down in the negative and complain all the time rather than contend for the faith. Grumbling, no. Contending for the faith, yes. Malcontents are people who are never content, can't be pleased. They follow their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Look with me now, verses 17 through 23. What do we do about all this? Bad, ugly stuff, ungodly people, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. What do we do? First of all, we remember that the apostles said such a thing would happen. Secondly, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. The problem may be out there. One of the parts of the remedy is in here. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Pray and keep yourselves in the love of God. And here's the way this comes to a conclusion in 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. These video classes are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas.